0: What up podcast listeners, this is your boy Jordan Smith, Uh, catch me on the Twitters at Jordan underscore Smith 27, Uh, bringing you episode 4 of the Podchat show, want to get out ahead of it and say, yeah, I sound a little groggy during this Podchat interview, I had to wake up pretty early because today's co-host is an international co-host uh, we welcome my friend Bailey onto the pod, and she talks to us a little bit about her celebrity life and her reality cooking show that she's currently on in Uruguay. So, without further ado, play us in, Ryan. I know I don't know much about you Racing through my head are thoughts about you yeah, you know I never try to hurt you, you know, and I hate to see you go,
1: yeah, I got something to say, wishful thinking,
0: baby, will it Well, welcome back, Podchat listeners. Um, thanks for enjoying the first three. I do want to remind everybody uh, that you can catch the Podchat show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher working on getting it on Spotify, so hopefully for those of you like me who sit at work and have your Spotify running all day, maybe you can listen to it there. Um, Today I am joined by Chef Bailey, Bailey Kaiser. She is working on some pretty great things, so I wanted to get her on the podcast to bring in a new perspective. Um, Bailey, say what's up.
1: Hello, everybody. Glad to be on
0: pod chat today. Awesome. Um, Actually, this is something that we don't really get a chance to talk about in the group chat so much. Um, I know there's a lot of privacy and secrecy things, but um, tell us what you can about Masterchef Uruguay and how that's going so far.
1: Masterchef is crazy. It has been an insane experience, something I never... Imagine what happened. I just kind of fell into my lap. My friends saw a publicity stunt about it that it was coming out, and so I sent in a video of me cooking chili, actually, and um, and they called me. I had to present another dish at the at the channel, um, and then I got a call back for the second season um, so that, that I had made it into the top 50. Uh, so it's. It's been really insane, really intense. Um, what I can say is that it's as intense as it looks on TV or worse. Um, I know in the United States it works a little differently. They, they they take you out of your house actually and give you classes, and you live in a house where you can you're basically your full life is dedicated to becoming a better chef. But here they don't have that kind of budget. So,
0: yeah. You just have to ride the bus to the studio every
1: day and film for nine, ten hours and Jeez. then
0: um, learn on your own. <laughs> How do you. Um, so, is this like consuming the majority of your life now that you're. Like, if you have to go there for nine to ten hours, or is it just like a couple days out of the week? It's. Uh, we film
1: two days out of the week, but the filming is so intense intense those days that the days after I usually feel pretty hungover almost because um, it's so extremely stressful and intense and You just have to be on all the time. You have to be ready because you have no idea what's gonna happen We did three cooking classes three very minor cooking classes at the beginning and after that everything is is on your own so practicing at home So when you get to the studio, you're really nervous because you have no idea what's going to happen, and in the moment of the reveal of, like, the mystery box or something under a blanket, you have no idea what's going to happen. And so just that moment of adrenaline and stress is just crazy. So yeah, it really has taken over my life. Um, But I mean, in a good way, it's, it's amazing, but the days that I have off, I'm practicing or I'm obsessing about a dish I can do. And then the days that I'm filming, I'm completely cut off from the world. They have our cell phones. Uh, We can't leave the studio area, and we're just kind of closed in um, away from society for a long time. Um, There's a lot of hours that go into it, and I mean, obviously, the time that you cook, the 60 minutes that you cook, that's 60 minutes exactly. But the before and the after is what really takes a lot of time just because they have to film everything, get everything into place. Obviously, also things that we don't think about is cleaning the kitchen. So after you cook your dish, um, they have to clean everything, and then you present your dish. So you actually make two dishes, one that the judges test in the, in the moment of, of finishing the test um, of the challenge mm-hmm. when your dish is actually hot. So they test that one, and then they clean out of the kitchen. Meanwhile, you have to leave the studio, wait, and then you go back in and you present the the dish again, and then they try it when it's cold. Um, So it's a really long and intense process and just really nerve-wracking.
0: So wait, what are they going for when they're trying the dish hot and then trying it cold?
1: The thing is, they want to make sure that they can try it in the moment that the dish is finished to make sure that all of the different cooking points are good, all the flavoring is good, and then when they try it the second time, it's when the cameras are on and it's just more for show. Um, or they, they test it again just to make sure that, you know, everything is, is correct. But they test it right away when, when, after you finish cooking for 60 minutes and they say hands up, then you leave the studio, the judges test your dishes when it's hot, then they clean everything and then you present it in front of the camera and that's more performance than anything. But they've already tried your dish and they already know what they're going to say.
0: Oh, uh, okay. That was going to be my next question: is if they already kind of knew, like, what they were going to decide on that dish right away. Um, yeah,
1: since they've already tested, they usually make notes, and then production teams read their notes to them about mm-hmm. their credit, their critiques for your dish. Uh, so it's really, it's a really interesting interworking because. It makes you realize how much time and, and that they really do test every dish and that their opinions about that dish are really well-formed because they really take the time to check your plates, try everything, the sauce, the different aspects of it. Um, they look at everything.
0: Well, that see, that makes a lot more sense than them being on camera, trying something and being like, hmm, I like this, or no, I don't like yeah. this. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. They really think about what? what your dish is the components of it
0: yeah I, what if you're I mean is there an instance when you're cooking something that might take a couple of hours to complete or do you guys have like a time frame in which yeah, we like, have you to finish really do have in to finish.
1: the 60 minutes yeah and so we have some we have things called pressure cookers which cook things in a third of the time so um something that would take you an hour and a half you can cook in 30 minutes in the pressure cooker But other than that, you have to design your dishes to be cooked in less than 60 minutes. And in those 60 minutes, you have to think of food prep. So getting all your food out, prepping it, cutting it, peeling it, chopping it, um, searing the meat. And then the actual cook time is about 40 minutes because after that you have to plate your dish, which plating takes about five to 10 minutes to actually make sure that it's well plated, that your sauces are completely clear, that everything looks good, that the decorations are nicely cut. so the actual cook time of your dishes has to be about 40 minutes to include 10 minutes of prep time before and 10 minutes of plating afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a lot. Um, the most important thing that I've learned is, is timing and, um, being efficient and clean and orderly in the kitchen just because it makes your life so much easier. But it's, it's definitely, I mean, you're so nervous in that moment that sometimes your hands are shaking and it's difficult to cut. Um, Mm. but, you do what you can
0: so with c- making everything in a pressure cooker and I know it cooks in a third of the time but does it impact like what you would actually want in the quality of the food because I know when when I cook pizza rolls in the microwave versus <laughs> in the oven it's not the same
1: <laughs> no um it's it's different because it's not like an oven it's like a boiling it or something it'd be like for example if you want to braise a meat so that it becomes really tender, you would cook it in the pressure cooker, or a soup that you want really concentrated in the pressure cooker. But um, other things that you want to cook in the oven for a really long time, like a turkey or something, that would be impossible in a pressure cooker. So those dishes just are automatically out of, uh, out of the kitchen. And pizza rolls, they don't even exist here. Can you imagine? Jeez. It's, it's really sad.
0: <laughs> How do you get over hangovers? That's cured many a hangover for me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's the reason why my hangovers are so bad here. No, just kidding. We have we have a different dish that people eat here, um, which is french fries sauteed with egg, ham, bacon, and then like you put lemon all over it and parsley and it's really good.
0: That sounds like a really good breakfast, like late night dish. Yeah. I would probably yeah. go ham on that. That reminds yeah, it's me really, of really really good. It reminds me of Brennan when he would randomly make Poutine, like whenever, <laughs> and it looked it looks super good at the time when you're a little intoxicated yes. or hungover, this is, either one.
1: The American version of that French fries fried with eggs. <laughs> Yum!
0: It's amazing. Um, oh, one thing I want to ask about Master Chef. So it's kind of game show slash reality show. Um, when you guys are filming, do you have to? do do you get a chance to do separate takes or is it kind of all just hey we gotta nail this in one take because A we don't have the time or B we don't have the budget to do so or C the director is crazy and just wants to get it all done
1: no i Typically, everything is done in one take unless someone likes... For example, the judges, when they're explaining something, they have certain lines that they do have to say correctly. So if those lines are are said wrong, then they re-say them. But everything that involves us is just as it comes because they want it to be extremely natural. And so it is a reality show, um, but it's a cooking show first. And so what's most important is our cooking, which has to be done in the time limit that they give us. Then everything else that we say is just kind of well, they, they're, you're constantly mic'd up, they're constantly filming you micing what you're saying, and then they do separate interviews where they ask you about what's happening in that moment in the kitchen. Um, and it's everything, you never have to say something twice because they want you to seem natural. And there's a lot of times, especially me, I'm the only non-native Spanish speaker. And um, so for them, it's, it's become kind of like, for them, it's kind of funny when I, when I make mistakes in Spanish, which happens a lot. Um, and so they usually, I mean, the cameramen, now that they know me more, like, they think it's hilarious. And usually it gets put in, like, I, uh, you'll see me on the show, like, commonly making Spanish mistakes or saying something wrong or saying something a little weird. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's something that people kind of make fun of me on Twitter about is obviously my accent and the way that I talk and my voice. Oh, interesting. Um and so it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, I'm really, I'm really nervous on the show or I'm really concentrated on my cooking, and they ask me questions, and there's sometimes when I can't even form the right words just because I'm so focused on what I'm doing that it's really hard for me to put that in another language, especially because food has so many specific terms, and it's really hard to learn all of that in another language.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, like, do you feel when you're, like, stressed out on the show your first instinct is to just be focused on cooking the food but then formulating what you're trying to say in English because when I'm like yeah. even when I'm stressed out I can't even form a very good sentence in English so I can imagine trying to translate that into a second language
1: yeah it is, it's really challenging especially the one of the shows that came out recently we had a group um, challenge where we had to make empanadas and so I've never made empanada dough like it's not my specialty i didn't grow up making it so um my team members obviously someone else on the team made it and then they switched our captains and one of the captains um asked me to make more empanada dough, and i misunderstood him and i thought he wanted me to roll out the dough that we already had and he started yelling at me and saying in english he said do it do it because he was trying to get me to understand that he wanted me to actually make dough from scratch and so that was like really crucial moment during the show just because it like showed exactly the fact that like there's times when I don't understand the directions that someone is giving to me and then someone's yelling at me in English that doesn't really make sense because you don't say do the dough it doesn't <laughs> make sense in English yeah and so it was just like the perfect example of what it's like to live in a country where people sometimes like misexplain explain something or don't understand the fact that like I would never make empanado. so why out of everyone on the team don't ask me And, um, so yeah, it's just like, that's a perfect metaphor for my life. It's, it's just like, I've lived here for five years and there's still times when people don't understand me or I don't understand them and you just have to go with it.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. Um, oh yeah, again, for those who don't know, the show would obviously be in Spanish because it is in Uruguay, um. Is that something that they kind of play up on the show that you are an American on MasterChef Uruguay? Like, do they use that as kind of a a selling point sometimes?
1: Yeah, there's another foreign girl, too, from Venezuela. Um, Well, that's not as
0: foreign, is it?
1: No, I mean, but the fact that Venezuela and the United States are kind of complete opposites, um, and so it's really interesting because her and I get along really well. But a lot of people, especially like on Twitter, which is obviously Twitter comments about everything, Twitter has a lot of commentary about the fact that we have extremely different government styles and that like, you know, they could really put us at odds with each other and they don't because we get along so well. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, there's times when they like play up the fact that I may not understand something, but overall I consider myself... um, Like I know a lot about Uruguayan culture and about the phrases that they use here. So it's also really surprising to people on Twitter or in general, the fact that I know a lot of slang. And so for them, it's extremely funny, something for me that's really normal because I've lived here for so long. So I use the same slang that people do here, Um, but it's surprising for people that a foreign person would know that. Um, And so it's just, it's interesting because I'm used to all my friends just accepting me now as Bailey they don't see me as Bailey the foreigner, they just see me as Bailey. And now there's a whole other group of people that know of my existence, and to them now again, I'm Bailey the foreigner. And so it's, it's interesting, because whenever you go anywhere people, the first thing that they want to talk about is you being foreign, um, and which is, I don't know, it's it's part of being an immigrant,
0: I guess. It's, it's not bad, it just kind of makes me different, makes me stick out here. Yeah. Okay. Wait, so are you Twitter famous now or something? Do people, do you get get a lot of followers from being on a TV show in your country?
1: I actually, my Twitter profile is private because I use it to talk a lot about politics, so I don't want that to become public, but Twitter here is extremely popular, and so all my other MasterChef mates um, are on Twitter, and yeah, they are all extremely Twitter famous, but I've kind of... I mean, I can see when people are talking about me on Twitter, but I try not to enter into that world, and I keep my profile really private just because I have a lot of political commentary on there that I'm not sure I want to share with the whole world.
0: Sometimes you got to stay out of those Twitter mentions <laughs> so you're not yeah, seeing all the <laughs> negative stuff. Um, exactly. Oh, one thing I was going to ask you, and I totally skipped my mind... Um, it was, a, it was definitely a Twitter-related question, though. So we can gloss over that. Um, worst injury on set during MasterChef?
1: Um, worst injury on set. Well, oh my gosh. We burn ourselves a lot. Like, uh, extremely a lot. But my, I think the worst one would be in the empanada episode. I cut my finger, but I like... The, the knives are so sharp. They are the sharpest knives. Ever. I've never, ever worked with knives so sharp. Like, you're cutting on a cutting board, and the knife is so sharp that sometimes it gets stuck in the cutting board. Um, and so I, like, sliced my finger, like, through my nail. <laughs> it just, like, went. It was extremely easy. Too easy. Just It's insane how sharp they are. Um, but it was really cold outside. It was, like, freezing temperatures, so I didn't even feel it. Just realized I was bleeding. Um, but, I mean... And again, the adrenaline is pumping, so you don't really feel very much, but luckily I haven't hurt myself too bad. Obviously every episode someone cuts some part of their body or they burn themselves, Um, but I do the same thing at home. I cut, like I lopped off the top of my thumb yesterday cutting, so I mean, it's pretty, (laughs) my hands are destroyed since I started cooking more seriously.
0: Well, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about Uruguay's great healthcare system. So at least, if you do injure yourself, you can probably just buy a new finger. Yeah,
1: yeah. it would probably be pretty cheap <laughs> to get a to get a replacement finger. Um, yeah, no, it's nice because they have like a medic, a medic right on set, and so I mean, even if you have a headache or anything, they uh, they have someone there to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Where the we're the the precious children of the show so
0: in that sense they take care of us pretty well they make sure that we feel okay well that's good what's the plan for after master chef Uruguay? i'm sure you're you're probably more thinking about what dishes you have to come up with and taking it one show at a time but do you have you look that far ahead
1: yeah right now i'm just trying to really keep my eyes open and make connections with people in the food world here, and I really don't know what what could be next, um, so I'm just trying to really make connections with people that that love food as much as I do, and we'll see, I mean, right now I currently work as, as a professor, and, and so I, I like teaching, and I love food, and I love sharing food with other people, so I definitely would be open to the idea of giving some kind of food workshops, um, just kind of laid back food classes, um, that kind of stuff, because one of the things that I love most about cooking is, is that, you know, it should be some, it should be your part of your daily life and that it should be accessible to everyone. Um, and just, I don't know, the fact that once you learn how to cook, your life becomes easier and more enjoyable. Um so that's something that I've I've looked into. I, I don't necessarily want to be a chef at a restaurant because you don't have weekends, you don't have nights, you don't have holidays. Um even though I'm sure it'd be an amazing experience, it's a really big sacrifice and I'm not sure that it's the lifestyle for me. There's people that are really cut out for that kind of work and I don't know if I am. Um we'll see though. I mean maybe we'll may, who knows? I have no idea what could happen. Um Right now I'm just trying to learn as much as I can, and then hopefully something shows up after that. We'll see.
0: Gotcha. Well, that sounds cool. I mean, you do kind of just got to take it as it comes. Um, Yeah. You you know, you can't look too far ahead with this show, especially.
1: Yeah, especially because, I mean, in the United States, obviously, MasterChef is, is... really popular, but here, I mean, you have to look at the context of the country, and that's the fact that Uruguay does not have a lot of national television, it's so small, it's 3 million people, it's half the size of Wisconsin, and so, this is the the most produced show, I mean, it has incredible production team, it was a huge undertaking for the country and for the channel that took it on, Channel 10, and... So right now it's the most watched television show in the history of Uruguay. And so we are like right now we are in a in like a fishbowl and we're considered like national celebrities because this is a show that is so important to Uruguay.
0: Um,
1: when the show was going to when they found out that the show was coming here, it was like extremely huge news. Um it's because I mean, this is a really big deal for such a small country to produce a show. That has such international um, like prestige,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so now I mean, yeah, people in the street recognize me, in the supermarket recognize me. They shout at me, they take pictures with me, and it's really weird because a month ago no one knew who I was, and now, <laughs> and now people um, they know me, and it's it's really it's really interesting because it's not like MasterChef United States where it's kind of a niche crowd. Here, MasterChef is it's the show to watch um has like really high ratings a lot of viewers um so it's a lot of pressure too because when you're cooking you don't think about how you're being perceived in the public eye and um so yeah sometimes things slip out of your mouth you say something weird and everything gets criticized um i mean so yeah every detail of me being on tv is is analyzed by people out in the world and that's very it's really strange (laughs) definitely
0: a really strange phenomenon. Wow, newfound fame. I mean, not that you didn't already stick out a lot down there, I'm sure, as being a a white American. Now, you are literally on a TV show that everybody watches, so I bet you that's just a bizarre experience. I've obviously never dealt with anything like that, so...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it just felt. I mean before the show came out and we had been filming a little bit, we knew they they warned us. They're like, you know, your lives are gonna change, but you really can't understand what that's like until it happens. And just the fact that I don't feel like I did anything extra, you know, extraordinary or crazy. I just cook on a show and I have this insane visibility. Um, So it's really weird because now when I leave the house, when I go to the supermarket, I have to wear normal human clothes. I can't go in pajamas. I can't, you know, I mean, I guess I could, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's so many people that are going to see me that it's, it's a lot paparazzi. of, paparazzi,
0: the paparazzi are um, going to catch you so on yeah, a the bad day. day. We went out
1: to eat. We went out for lunch with some of the people from Chef, and yeah, people would just take pictures of you. Like it's really strange because you become an object, like you're not a person anymore. And so people just take pictures at you instead of with you. And that's really weird. It's a really weird feeling.
0: Yeah, that is a weird concept to think about, too, that it's the largest show, like, in the country's history, whereas here in the United States, you literally have shows revolved around people pretending to sing songs that other famous people have sung (laughs) or just, just like, the most random things. And it may be the flavor of the month for a while, but it seems like this has some pretty lasting impact.
1: I mean, imagine, the United States is full of reality TV shows. Like, we are the reality TV show kings of the world. And this is the only reality TV show. And one of the only, I mean, this is the only thing. And so imagine if, like, the United States only had one reality show, how much people would watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really... (laughs) I mean, even like their their soap operas are imported, I think, from Turkey and from Brazil and Argentina. And so, like, there are really no national TV programs because it's too small. The market's too small. They don't have the the money and the production size to be able to do that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, they have a really rich national film. um, But cinema and film is, is different from TV shows. And they do have some TV shows, but nothing on this scale that's watched this much by this much of the population. Um so yeah it's really it's a really interesting historical context of like a country um, you know, acquiring this kind of like international brand, um, just because it's unprecedented here.
0: Interesting. Um do you have a new found respect for celebrities in America that may be on reality TV but are constantly under a lens or under a microscope because I mean obviously just by population size that microscope in America is going to be a lot bigger so do you kind of have a a respect for how they handle that or do you view them differently do you judge them a little bit more or less
1: I guess it just really like humanizes them and it makes you, I don't know if I would say a, a newfound respect for them just because they are just people like me. I don't think I deserve more respect because I'm on TV. Um, but yeah, it makes you realize that every decision that you make, you know, like you're in the public eye, um, which is, is cool, I guess. Um but also a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, it makes me really nervous. I, I consider myself someone that loved attention and really extroverted, but I get, I feel very nervous when people take pictures at me just because I feel very watched. Um, so, so yeah, it makes me realize that, you know, famous people, I mean, I, I don't consider myself a very famous person. I just consider myself like, under the national lens right now. I mean, in a few months, people could completely forget who I am. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I imagine people that have lived for years under the public eye and how they must change so much about their lives so that so that they aren't being picked apart at every second. I don't know. It's made me a more private person in a certain sense, um, just, you know, it's kind of censoring the way that I present myself in social media, especially, I have to be really careful, and um, it's really weird to think twice about what you're posting, Yeah, because people actually will comment.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Well, see, for me, I've kind of always had a little bit of a, maybe a begrudging respect for some people that were maybe forced to grow up under the spotlight, and be... Like, that's literally what their life is. So you're kind of getting this not in, not so much in a developmental stage for who's setting you up to be as an adult.
1: Yeah, Um, exactly, I couldn't imagine being a teenager or even a child with that kind of pressure. I mean, obviously now I'm an adult and I feel very secure about who I am, about what I look like, Um, but yeah, I mean, especially being a female and having, you know, the way that you look being criticized I mean, luckily for me, I'm very secure in in myself, and so I really, <laughs> I really don't care. But, um, yeah, I can I can imagine what that pressure would feel like to be, you know, growing up and, and feel the the weight of people watching you.
0: Do you want to talk about Kylie Jenner? <laughs>
1: yeah, isn't, isn't she pregnant? I just went out this morning.
0: That's the word. Apparently, she's well. The reason I like. I'm not constantly thinking about Kylie Jenner all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) she's 20 years old and now she's pregnant and she's like, you can find old clips of Keeping Up With The Kardashians because it is a 10 year old show now, but that means she was 10 when it started. So she kind of had to go through growing up with cameras in her face and being a reality star for however many years a decade imagine being a a celebrity and a reality star for a decade
1: i just can't even i can't even comprehend it and i i feel like her life is so different from a normal life and i feel like she's had to grow up really fast like she's 20 but i feel like she's 30 Mm -hmm. just like the way that she carries herself even the way that she dresses and everything is just i mean she didn't have any time to be awkward and I think that really showed in the way that she presented herself as well. I mean, she went from being a child to being extremely cool and sexy, um, which doesn't happen to anyone unless you're extremely rich and have people that can control um, the way that you present yourself. And I'm really glad that I had the chance to be awkward in high school and middle school because I think it Just made me see
0: myself school.
1: more. And so it makes me sad that she didn't have that time to be awkward, you know? Like, she wasn't given that space. She immediately had to, you know, like, change her entire face and body to be someone that that could be acceptable in the public eye, or what she felt could be acceptable in the public eye. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's criticized from every point, and now she's going to be a mom, which is just... Insane. I mean,
0: me. I think being
1: a mom. I'm 27 and in like a stable relationship, and being a mom is something that horrifies me because it just seems so. There's so much responsibility. So I can't even.
0: I don't know. Yeah, and this will all be documented too. It'll be as a part of her separate show. I'm sure it'll be part of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians mothership. Um, Yeah. I mean moderately small-sized violin because she does have a lot of money and she's rich, yeah. so it's not like she's dealing with a lot of other issues that a pregnant 20-year-old might have to deal yeah, with. Yes,
1: of course. Of course, I mean, yeah, I don't want to downplay the fact that she has a lot of privilege and a lot of money, um, so, like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, poor Kylie, because there's a lot of people that have really terrible situations. Um, but, yeah, I don't envy her situation to be honest I don't I don't envy her life just because I feel like everyone needs this space to be strange and awkward and ugly and weird and I don't think she gets that space at all she can't be those things which is sad to me like yeah there's days when I just look like a terrible trash person and it's amazing (laughs) like yeah and if you know I don't know I can just not leave my house and whatever I mean I can still put a a hat on and most of the country won't recognize me and I can leave the country and no one will recognize me outside of the country so I mean yeah she's internationally famous that's a lot of pressure she can't go anywhere
0: I mean I have a job in which I'm supposed to wear a collared shirt to the office and everything like that but I even have days where I don't even you know, there's a day, one day out of five where I'm just like, you know what? No, I don't want to wear a collared shirt. I barely want to wear jeans, let alone actual dress pants. So I can imagine what it would be like having, you know, 365 where you have to at least look presentable and cute and something that girls want to go and buy the clothes you're wearing and yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean even like yeah, her Snapchat stories, like everything is so reduced. Like I couldn't even imagine spending so much time on how I present myself. It's just exhausting. I guess I really don't care enough, you know. I mean obviously I'm not no one cares that much about me either. I mean I do like I'm <laughs> I'm like a short term minor celebrity, you know, and I can't really imagine what her life is like.
0: So, yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about Kylie Jenner because I've wanted to talk about it, especially with you. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about something a little bit more in-depth, and if this isn't the podcast listeners' jam, they can obviously choose to listen to the last part or not. But I want to talk about, obviously, the current political state that's going on in the U.S. of A., um, and kind of get your perspective on, cause you haven't lived here for five years now. Um, so what is yeah. it like being somebody who is an outsider to kind of see what your country's, your original home country is going through? Um, and to still obviously have family and a brother that lives in DC and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I feel like I always have to be very careful how I talk about the United States because people in the United States are extremely sensitive about, um, patriotism. And if you criticize the United States, a lot of times it's seen as like an act of violence against the country, which I think is completely skewed because I love the United States and I love them. So I get to criticize them as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of times where I feel like being from the United States is just a little too controversial for me. And sometimes I don't want to have the political discussion with people, especially here. People here talk about politics all the time. They know everything that's happening in the world and in the United States. It's a small country, so everything that happens outside of here is, is really well known for them, just because there's not a lot of stuff happening here, so they really look at, at the world Um So yeah, there's times when I go places and they realize I'm foreign and I say that I'm from Canada just because no one has anything to say about Canada and I don't have to enter into a huge political discussion. Um, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the privilege of being a United States citizen. I realize that my life as a United States citizen is really easy. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. I have a lot of privileges. Um. And so, yeah, I, that's something I recognize. And I'm, it makes me sad that not everyone has the ability to go where they want and do what they want. And for me, that's really sad. I am, I'm someone that's never really believed in countries. Um, obviously, I think a social construction and being a sociologist doesn't help. Um, so for me, I, I, I would love to live in a world where countries don't exist and borders don't exist. Uh, which a lot of people in the United States would consider extremely they would consider me insane, which is fine. I mean, I am a little insane. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, living here is, um, it's made me take a hard look at things I didn't want to. And um, I mean, people here have a lot of political discussions, they're very open about political discussions. Um, And, I mean, here they have, for example, they have communist parties, they have socialist parties, they have um, really conservative parties, and so I love living in a country where you can have a conversation with, you can have a healthy conversation with any type of political person, Um, and I love that, I love that, because in the United States, I feel like we can't really have those conversations, and -hmm. and that people um, tend to be there's a lot of people that are very close-minded. Obviously, there are a lot of people that are very open-minded as well. Um, but it's very it's very hard because the United States is so extreme in everything, um, just very extreme. And especially with the, the president that we have now, um, I've always been very vocal about hating Trump. I've never liked him as a person or a businessman or as a human being since he's existed, since I've existed. Agreed. Um, And so I've never, ever, ever liked him. Um, And obviously was horrified when he was elected. And um, so it's just, it's really sad for me to see every day when I open my Twitter feed, there's just something new going on. And people here are not surprised. They're like, why are you so surprised that your country is shitty? Excuse, excuse my language but they're like why are you so surprised that's okay you know like like you like you guys do a lot of great things but yeah there's a lot of negative aspects of your country and that didn't start happening just with trump which is true um you know i i think that i i just hope i hope i see some kind of change um I think the good thing that has happened through Trump is that there's a lot of people who have become more politically active, um, more civic, civic minded. Um, and that's good. Uh, the thing that's hardest is that I know through his presidency, the most vulnerable have suffered. My family's fine because we're a white middle-class family. Um, you know, no one is going to be, you know, no one's going to suffer through the Trump pres- presidency because he he stands for you know that kind of, of lifestyle, you know that kind of like privileged lifestyle. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I could just not complain and they would be fine, but obviously, I don't I don't live like that, and so I think it's horrible that the most vulnerable have to suffer at his hand, uh, and just in general. I mean, he doesn't have all the responsibility. Unfortunately, that falls in the hands of many, but...
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's
1: definitely been... It's been very interesting to see the reaction of people here, uh, you know, and my feelings towards the United States. Um, I just... I wish there was some way that I could help.
0: Yeah. Um, How do people... Down there, now I'm, I'm reaching a little bit for a parallel, but um, obviously Uruguayans going to look a little different from your average white American. How do they feel when they might take a look at somebody like Donald Trump or Jeff Ses- Jeff Sessions or Santa Monica fascist Steve Miller... And they, they have this sort of rhetoric about white supremacy. Even though they don't overtly say anything, they kind of wink at it. There's the Muslim ban. There's calling Mexicans rapists and criminals. There's the president just last night, um, we're recording this after his Alabama Klan rally, uh, literally calling a African-American citizen, just because he's a quarterback doesn't mean he's a citizen, a son of a bitch, like on national television. How do they look at that and see that from their own perspective, from their own lens?
1: Yeah, um, Uruguay is a really unique South American country in that they uh, they essentially massacred their indigenous population, and so they're almost all European Italian, Spanish, and then they have, obviously, other um, cultures. Well, that sounds Um,
0: close to America.
1: Yeah, so the minority (laughs) population is is really small here, and um, so they, a lot of times, um, this is a critique towards Uruguay, they consider themselves, um, you know, like, they don't like being called Latinos because they consider themselves European. Um, And so they kind of disassociate themselves with um with the South American or Latin American culture um, because they consider themselves as European descendants which um, is really is an interesting play I mean obviously it's a really different social context in the United States but they don't consider themselves underneath the you know like they consider themselves outside of the racism of Trump like they don't think that they would be, affected by that but the truth of the matter is is that if they go to the united states they'll be treated as poorly as any other spanish speaker Mm -hmm. could be treated um just because you know it doesn't matter that they're a lot of them are very light-skinned actually um but yeah they're spanish speakers and they're from another country and people consider them um spanish speakers from another country and in the united states that can mean negative treatment um so yeah they they kind of Think that they're outside of this bubble, but it's not true. Um, they could have just as many problems as you know any other person trying to move around in the United States. Um, but yeah, when they when they obviously hear the racist things that are going on and the things that the president says, they for them it's it's almost like funny because it's so extreme, and just so obvious
0: that the president is wrong and that these other politicians are wrong, um,
1: that they can't believe that people voted for him, you know, that those people exist. It's just amazingly shocking to them. And they they can't wrap their head around it. They can't wrap their head around that kind of mentality that exists in the United States that is just so... I mean looking at it from the outside, it's, I mean, it's just so shockingly racist. and so, so horrifying that they're like, who are these people that vote for it? And, you know, I have to say that, that I know people that support what these people say, you know, that Mm -hmm. I'm related to people that say that they are okay with the president. And, um, that's something that's, it's a hard pill for me to swallow. And it's hard for them to put faces on, on these people. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really, it's interesting because it's not a country that has, that admits you know, to any kind of, um, they have a really different, it's hard to explain, but they have a really different concept of race and a different concept of talking about race
0: here Mm -hmm.
1: and there's just i don't know even things like for example police brutality when i talk about how many people have died at the hands of police in the united states people are blown away they could not like the concept of a police person a police person killing a, a citizen here it would be outrage in the streets it doesn't matter if that person was you know but it doesn't matter like cops cannot kill people here yeah like it's just completely blows them away that kinds of stuff blows them away um even there was like there's you know protests here people are pretty politically active and there's a protest where protesters were like throwing rocks and things like that and i don't i don't remember exactly what happened but like there's a police person who like grabbed someone or, you know, like there was like kind of a scuffle and it was all over the news that a police person even laid their hands on a citizen. It was just like, how can this happen? And I mean, I'm not defending, you know, like obviously there are lots of problems with infrastructure here and the police force and and things like that. I don't think that any system is perfect, but the mentality I think is really amazing. And the fact that they think that, life matters and that citizens should talk and be able to protest there's protests all the time there's strikes all the time here um and i love that like yeah it's annoying some days because there's strikes for this strikes for that there's protests in the street about stupid things like there's nothing even really happening here it's really stupid stuff um but you can do that and no one's gonna get run over with the car no one's gonna get shot there's not gonna be a mass shooting And it's amazing. That's amazing. Like, uh, the fact that
0: that doesn't happen in the United States is horrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult thing to kind of wrap my head around, even still, like a year later. If I was somebody from a foreign country, and somebody was basically elected into power even though the majority of the population did not want them in power yeah you you look at that as a a regime like somebody literally came in and took the power away like you you think of these other countries that are undergoing civil war and things like that um people that are coming in through literal brute force if you look at it from that context that's like immediately what you would think of, but then you're like, no, I'm describing the United States. Like somebody came in, yeah, exactly.
1: took power, Exactly.
0: Um, and when, oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say that um, the electoral college. That's something that people here really struggle to understand. And um, there was this came out. There was some kind of person in the United States who mentioned this happens a lot where they like just mention a country. They're like, oh, this we don't have any kind of voter fraud or any you know like our voting system is really fair not like in those third
0: world countries like uruguay like they just throw a country name out there without thinking well that's because it's a spanish-speaking country what was that i said that's because it's a spanish-speaking country yeah
1: exactly (laughs) like they just kind of pick a country that sounds poor to them and they're like oh it's not like uruguay like here we know what democracy is And obviously it was all over the news here. And people were like, are you kidding me? You guys have an electoral college that doesn't make any sense. Someone got voted in as a president who didn't even get the majority of the votes. And you think you have democracy? Like, we have democracy. We're like, we march, we have protests, we can do all these things. Like, it's a really healthy political environment here. Yeah, people talk about politics all the time here, and it's like, it's to the point where it's annoying. But it's Mm -hmm. so different from the United States. Like, the fact that and and here the vote is obligatory, and everyone has to vote, or you get a fine. Um, so, like, the the idea that our that like the political system here or like the voting here wouldn't be democratic, it's just insane for people. They're like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, you guys have no idea what it's like to live in a system that's you know, actually democratic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not true democracy. It's more partial democracy and um, as far as like the the political spectrum here too it's starting to drive me a little insane because um, I wouldn't say I am an extremely far left like Bernie bro um, as opposed to the other extreme where it's right wing mega Nazis over there I mean I I wasn't gonna vote for Bernie in the primary, and I voted for Hillary in the primary, because I thought, I didn't really think Bernie was all that um, realistic of a candidate. I kind of thought he was just the opposite end of the spectrum, because even him I had some reservations about what sort of ideas and thoughts that he had and how they would, I mean, they sounded great on paper, but like, how do you realistically put those into motion, especially in our country? Um, Yeah. But so now I still feel like that's the way it is now. You're either a polarizing deep dark blue or you're a severe slightly racist red. And there's like there, there's no room for the middle ground anymore. And I want to get a little bit closer to the median again.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's one of the things that worries me. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I really don't. Just because, I mean, we've been saying for a long time that the, the two having two political parties is not a good way to go. Like, the biparty system is is not going to work at some point. And I think we're reaching that point, which I feel like we're living a really critical historical moment. Um, but, yeah, it's also scary because I don't know what's going to happen. And obviously I consider myself um, much more I, – I try not to align with any particular – political candidate just because i feel like everyone has special interests there's always some level of corruption or some level you know like someone are always screws up at some point Um, yeah and so you know like i i tend to side with like research science investigation like truth um I, i mean obviously there's always biases everywhere um but yeah, I, I consider myself more on the leftist spectrum, especially because I live in a democratic socialist country, and I and I like living here. Um, but yeah, I mean, every country is so different, and every political, every political, um, every political party—or I don't know what exactly we're gonna say—but every everything it has its down points, you know. Um, whether it be socialism, capitalism, I mean, like everything has a negative aspect. And so I think, like you say, extremes are bad. And I don't know what's going to happen in the United States. I don't know if we're going to break off into several parties, if there's going to be some kind of political eruption. I I really don't see any kind of clean resolution to the extreme sides that we're seeing.
0: Well, it, it's not even just singled out to the national scope when you're talking to somebody on the street. It's being, like, exacerbated in Congress and in the Senate. Like, they literally want yeah. to appeal, appeal Obamacare because it was Obama's... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was Obama's. It was somebody that somebody from the left put in... And now yeah. they are trying to get this fifty-fifty split on a repeal bill, and yeah. they literally are telling people like Lisa Murkowski in Alaska that, "Hey, if you vote for this, if you just say you side with us, we'll let your state keep Obamacare." Like that's the incentive that they're getting, and it's literally yeah. just a "my team against yours" mentality, and it's getting kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting it's sad over like here. It's becoming
1: like a gridlock; like nothing's going to be able to be happening. I don't know if it's, I feel like we need some kind of like unifying person, you know? Obviously, I feel like the president is more like a representative figure than anything. Yeah. Obviously, he has a lot of power, but, um, you know, I feel like we need someone that would represent all different people, and I don't know if we have that. In, like, I don't even know if that's humanly possible anymore, just because the extremist nature of where we are at right now I don't know. I I can't I can't imagine a day that, that I could say that you know that yeah the majority of the of, Amer- of Americans agree on what's happening. I don't know.
0: Yeah I want to get back to that too but this this topic's getting a little heavy for me. I'm getting sad. <laughs> it's making me sad I want to come move to Uruguay. <laughs> Being Um, a millennial is hard. It's hard because we have to deal with this, but we're also ruining everything, like the diamond trade and uh, strip malls and things like that. So, um, things can
1: go. We don't want
0: them anyway. (laughs) It's tough being a millennial in this day and age. Um, Yeah, it's it's tough
1: because we're really sensitive and like we really care about things, you know. And yeah, I
0: mean, when did sensitivity become a negative? sensitivity all of a sudden became a negative but really it's not being politically correct it's not being too sensitive it's just being like a nice decent person to not want to hurt yes, somebody's feelings it. like that is okay to be
1: yeah we respect the dignity of all human life that's perfect for me i mean like everyone deserves respect and
0: except for nazis yes
1: that's like the definition
0: of a millennial. <laughs> and except for the the people that we are currently in a fantasy football league with, we can talk shit oh, about them all we want. I forgot. I wanted to talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick, and then um, sure. I'll let you go. We can wrap this up. But it's your – oh, actually, let's introduce the segment. I broke this in with Quinn, and I love talking about it. It's the segment of no one cares about your fantasy football team. Um, <laughs> Bailey, this is your first year playing with the squad, and you are currently two and zero, oh <laughs> and actually yeah. kicking everyone's ass right now. So what's yeah.
1: um... I'm, I'm doing really well this week too. I'm already at 57, and I what had two people
0: play. <laughs> are you have 57 points. Oh my God, that's not even cool. Oh, and you're playing. Yeah, doing
1: really well. Like I couldn't believe
0: it. That's our um our international game because you're playing our our friend European Joe. (laughs) Yeah,
1: poor European Joe. How
0: have you? I'm sorry, Joe. How have you liked Um, um, playing so far?
1: Really good. Um, I was very nervous during the draft because I felt like there's a lot of pressure. And so I was just picking names that had good numbers, I think. And it, I guess it worked. Um, I don't really know who's on my team. Um, I know I have Mike Evans because you told me. Um, <laughs> other than that, I don't know anything. It just really goes to show that uh, you shouldn't overthink these things.
0: <laughs> and I definitely do. And, and it's, it's terrible. I feel
1: bad because I, I, I just, like, joined because Quinn was like, joined. And I was like, oh, I want to talk more with you guys. Cause I like, you know, sometimes I just like really out of the loop, and so that's why I joined. And now I'm beating people, and I feel bad because I feel <laughs> like I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to win. Um, but yeah, I, I I hope I win some money. I guess I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the uniting factor in playing fantasy football with everyone is that you kind of get to stay in touch, even though we're all obviously in, like, different countries and states. Um, otherwise, you're kind of just waiting for somebody to say something in the group chat, and this time we get, like, competitive shit talking. And yep, um, sure. Do you guys get the games down there? Because for people who are listening, it's Bailey and her boyfriend Nico – that both live in Uruguay in our league this year, and they are also both 2-0. So do you guys get to watch the games?
1: Uh, we watch some of them. Nico, like, gets them online. I don't know how. Um, he, like, usually has some kind of, like, program or something. I don't know.
0: That's NFL. millennial.
1: NFL Live. <laughs> I, NFL something. NFL Network? Um, but, yeah, typically we just, like, are, are looking at the, the fantasy football app on our phone. And then, like, you're, we're usually with all the Uruguayans. We're like, oh, man, I'm up this many points, blah, blah, blah. And they have no idea what we're talking about because the concept of fantasy football doesn't exist here. <laughs> um, and so they're like, what? You guys, like, put money in on players that aren't actually on the same team and you make a team? Like, it's really confusing for them. Um so, and then like we were playing it obviously week after week, and they're like, You're still playing this game? And we're like, Yeah, every week is a new game. <laughs> like, <they're laughs> really, you know, like they don't really understand. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun, actually. I like winning. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, I don't feel like I deserve it. Um, I think it helped me that I didn't put it myself on auto pick. So I, I actually got to pick people that had really good numbers, stats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that worked to my advantage. Um, and now I'm making sure that I put the proper people on the lineup as my starters. Um, (laughs) so I think I'm gonna get better hopefully as time goes on. They don't play like I I just got lucky,
0: they don't play like fantasy soccer or anything down there. They just watch the sports, that's enough for them. No,
1: because the thing is, like would never pick first of all like the national soccer teams like you would never want to pick anyone from other teams uh, secondly like in the world cup like you only are gonna root for uruguay like there's no way that you would like root for other teams um so yeah fair. like in that in that sense now it wouldn't work because we don't have states you know like in the united states where we have all these different teams and that like you care about players from other teams now
0: gotcha period. So it's, it it's just, like, um, it's just mm-hmm. one state. You know, it's Uruguay would be Wisconsin. You vote for one team or you're the enemy. You're a Bears fan otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the national teams, are several of those. And, like, usually, like, you pick those based on what your parents were fans of when you were kids. Um, and it doesn't depend on your geographical location in the country. It just depends on what your family, who your family was a, a supporter of and then yeah for the the in the international soccer team you know like Uruguay national soccer team um, that is just yeah it's them and it's only them and it's a religion and uh, yeah we're obsessed with the soccer team here uh, i've started to to really like soccer cuz it's it's everyone cares about it when the soccer game is on you can hear people shouting the goals outside of your window you can hear ah! People get really excited Um, and like all the buses honk and everything and people like scream outside their window. Yeah. Uh, It's really fun. It's really.
0: So (laughs) what you're telling me is that you didn't start to get into soccer when some of your best friends from college were playing (laughs) soccer for our school.
1: I think think they can all tell you that I had no idea what was going on ever. Um, But like, I feel like I tried to support them. Um, Yeah. But I mean, they me still too. piqued my interest. They piqued my interest. But here it's obviously awesome. Like, you know, we have Swadis who is just like, extremely- Hungry. Intense, yeah. Yeah, he's really <laughs> hungry. So he's someone that, up until today, there's, I mean, like Nico's grandmother will say to me, I don't know if he bit that person. It could have just been like some kind of visual trick. Like, people are so in love with him that they, like, are in complete denial that he ever bit someone.
0: Wow. Like, even
1: <laughs> grandmothers care to say that. Like, she's, like, 90 years old, and she has to say that. Well, oh. that
0: that just comes with the territory of sports teams. Like, catch. conspiracy theories. There was a playoff game yeah. a few years ago <laughs> with Des Bryant, and people say he caught a, a ball that he didn't actually catch, and it's, oh my God. visual tricks yeah, like that yeah. happen all the time. <laughs>
1: That is true it's something that's really
0: common in sports awesome well i want to um i think we'll we'll let you get going bailey um is there anything you want to plug anything you're talking about um doing master chef stuff maybe
1: um well if you guys want to keep up with my cooking adventures i'm obviously on instagram i'm pretty active on instagram um otherwise i have a facebook band page called cocinando con bailey which means cooking with bailey and i give recaps about the shows and i post the youtube videos and talk about recipes that i'm working on um so yeah anything that that i'm gonna be working on is gonna happen on my instagram or facebook page so please follow me there and um yeah i'm gonna try to keep posting recipes and i'm trying to post them in english and in spanish um so yeah, hopefully it'll have both of those things going on. But that's
0: pretty much it. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna plug your Instagram in the last episode, if you might have heard. Uh, but I wasn't sure, like, if it was a private account or not, so I didn't wanna infringe <laughs> oh, no. on that. My
1: Instagram is my Instagram is public. What's um, your? Yeah, that's like that's where my the majority of my things happen. What's
0: your yeah. Instagram handle? <laughs>
1: Um I think it's just Bailey Kaiser. Is it? Well, I think like the well like you can search me by Bailey Kaiser otherwise it's Baelzurk. Um but Bailey Kaiser.
0: Baelzurk. Bail B A I L Z E R K. Yeah. At Bailzirk, I actually yeah. just looked it up, so yeah,
1: that's yeah. it. Yeah, otherwise just look up Bailey Kaiser and it will show up, but yeah, everything goes on there, so um that's where I do most of my recipes and updating. Uh, Yeah, the only thing I have private is my private Facebook page and my Twitter. But then I have the fan page and the Instagram. So that's where you can check out all the the new happenings.
0: Yes, definitely follow Bailey on Instagram because she posts pictures of all her recipes. And me and Roger were talking about that last week on the pod, and we were talking about how good they looked. So. If you want, if you want your to mouth episode, to water. I have it in my queue. What's that?
1: I have that episode in my queue to listen to yet. It's going to wait until I was on the bus. Oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> listen to it. Um, <laughs> everybody else listen to it as well. Um, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're trying to get it on Spotify as well um so everybody even if you're one of those people that has an android for whatever reason you can listen to the podcast as well (laughs) um well thank you bailey thank you for um lining up the time zones here and chatting with me on the fourth episode of the pod chat show
1: yeah thank you for having me it was fun to chat with you and I can't wait to to hear the other ep- episodes that come out catch up on the the last one as well.
0: Yes, keep looking out for new episodes, folks um, <laughs> for whoever's listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will we'll talk soon, Bailey. We'll talk hopefully next time face to face.
1: Yes hopefully see you soon Jordan. Take care, take care of your cat.
0: <laughs> I will. You too. Say hi to Nico. I will. Alright. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Well, again, thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Jordan Smith. As I said before, you can catch me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Smith 27. My writing is at acmepackingcompany.com faketeams.com um, Go ahead and follow uh, Bailey on Instagram, at Baile B-A-I-L-Z-E-R-K. The food on there is amazing. You'll definitely want to do that. Otherwise, go to her Facebook page. I'm gonna probably butcher this pronunciation, but Cocinando Con Bailey, to get a good look at some of her MasterChef videos, um, just in case you don't get reality TV from Uruguay on your basic cable plan. Um, Thanks again. This is the Podchat Show. Stay tuned for Episode 5. Coming soon.